Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Ronald McBerto Willis House. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today, as usual, my friends. Hey, uh, I got Dennis Kucinich that's going to be with us today. But let me go ahead and take care of business first. Let's go ahead and make sure that everything is running as it should. Egberto, uh, uh, there was a bow from Rudnan. There was a bow of the fifth column video I asked you to watch. You said you did, but never told me what you thought about it. I want our nation to be the envy of the world. We can't do that with massive infrastructure. Look, let me tell you, if you I don't know if you were if you remember the show that we had, but we've already many times spoke about what China is doing throughout the world. In fact, I'm from Central America, Panama. And if you take a look at what China is doing, including in places like Panama, what they're doing is they're investing in, in a lot of infrastructure in other countries. And in the process of doing it in other countries, they're getting a lot of goodwill. Forget about what the, what the reasons are for, uh, for, the, for, what, for which they're doing it. The fact of the matter is they're getting roads, they're getting bridges, they're getting all these things that make life easier for the people who live there, and that buys goodwill. The United States have always done things like that in the past, uh, and uh, the United States wants to make one believe that the reason China is doing that is for an ulterior motive uh, benefit for China, which is true, but that's the reason why the United States does it around the world as well, for some ulterior Motive, so that is the case. Second item, our response to climate change is missing something by big scientists said. Global warming is a landing driver of extinction, leading driver of extinction, as one out of eight species are currently threatened with being out. At this rate, won't be long until it's our turn, unless, unless the world stops treating climate change and biodiversity collapse as separate issues. That is correct. Michael Rudden also says the Senate, Democrats and Republicans say they reach a nearly... $1 trillion in infrastructure deal, that's not true. It's actually $500, 670-something billion in new spending. Short change in the future. So, I mean, it's way, it, it's crap. What, they, what the, the moderates are coming up with for all practical purposes is crap. It is crap. Uh, one of my supporters, um, uh, I, I interviewed him this morning, Tim, uh, Tim uh, Danahy. I'm going to play him on 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 uh, on when I'm uh, probably on Monday when we'll discuss it in more detail about how we could really be raising the right kind of money from the right kind of people. That's what we'll discuss on Monday. China uh, touts fifty trillion dollar yuan in uh, fifty trillion yuan in infrastructure spending. Infrastructure is promised to the future, and China is going to blow us away economically. Note: fifty trillion yuan is about seven point eight trillion dollars. Which groups are still dying of COVID in the U.S.? Younger population begin to make up the higher shares of COVID-19 deaths compared with the shares at the peak pandemic. Hesitancy will only serve the prolonged pandemic until thousands of, of daily deaths become the new normal and the affected age range slides younger. But, you know, we don't care about young people, guys. We don't care. You know who we are. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Michael Rudden also says, Trump tells Biden to send Putin his warmest regards. It's a shame I saw that. May Wood, hello from Long Beach, California. I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen Dennis Kucinich in a long time. This is going to be good. Yes, it is. And I also have, I didn't know we were skipping. I also had, uh, let's see, some other stuff. If the video, how, how bad is it skipping? Is it really skipping badly, my folks? Let me know. I don't see it skipping on the video feed that I'm looking at right here. So let me know what's going on. Facebook video saying live show interruptions every few seconds. 
replying to May Wood. Uh, let's see. Hi, all. Eric Hayes, do you honestly think China or Russia cares about climate change? Everybody cares about climate change, including Russia, including China. There's, uh, I definitely think they all do. So that is the case. Trampolini is a warped and sick as they come aside from his hero, Vladi. That is so true. That is so true. That is so true. Audio is bad. My PC or YouTube. Audio is bad. Please explain what you mean. Anybody who's having any kind of problems, put it in the feed so that I can see what you're talking about. My friends, let me know uh, what you're seeing. Let me see if there's anything here that I have running that needs to be uh, corrected. Let's see real quick like. All right, Russia will be net winner in regards. I tell you what, I, I see there's a lot of activity back here. I'm going to pause, sinking on, on that one for a while. Please let me know as soon if, if, if things improve a bit. Uh, let me know you care your actions and they aren't slowing the... F <laughs> okay, let me know, folks. But anyhow, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with... Uh, Okay, audio is fine according to E2247. Nanette Birdsmith, audio goes on, skip, and then resumes. Okay, let me try to fix something here and see if that is going to take care of business. You guys are going to let me know in two seconds because I think I, I may have found what the problem may be. Let's see. That's not it. Uh, bear with me for two seconds as I search. Okay, let me see. Uh, that's NVIDIA. All right, folks, I'm looking to see if there's anything here to fix on your side. Let me know if it cleans up because I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix a few things here on the feed because what I think is we have a massive, uh, let's see here. What is that? There we go. Here we go. It's on this one here. Uh, we can go here. All right. We are, I've stopped syncing a few things. Tell me if that has improved the video. Okay, by them say, yep, it's good. All right, good. All right, let's go ahead and uh, play Dennis Kucinich, and then I'll come back and salute all my great people, AVQ and all, all of you guys. So let's go ahead and say hello to Dennis Kucinich. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for uh, coming in today. We have a very special guest today. Dennis Kucinich is an author and statesman serving 16 years in the U.S. Congress and was twice a candidate for Presidente during his term as Cleveland mayor between 1977 and 1979. The Fraternal Order of Eagles recognized him as the outstanding public official in America. In recent years, the Washington Post magazine called Kucinich the future of American politics ahead of his time, declared Rolling Stones magazine. Gore Vidal called Kucinich writing as good as Theodore Drazer's. Ralph Nader favorably compares Kucinich writing to the legendary muckraking journalist Lincoln Stephens. The division of light and power mails Kucinich's writing excellence with undisputable documentary power and the moral code of a leader who cannot be corrupted. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Senor, former Congressman Kucinich. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you for that introduction. Absolutely wonderful to be with you. I've looked forward to our talk. 
Well, let me tell you, uh, you know, I want I want to discuss a bit about your book. I don't want to discuss too much of your book because we want to make sure people go out there and get your book. But uh, let, let, let's talk about today's politics. First of all, what are, what are your thoughts about what has happened over the last um, several the last several months, I'm not going to say years, because we know the last several years was a disaster. What has happened to this country in the last several months? Well, what, what we've seen is a polarization of the politics that makes it in, in, almost incapable of responding to the basic needs of the people. Now, you know, the uh, COVID, if anything, should have proven to us the weaknesses in our healthcare system. Um, and yet, even with a pandemic, we couldn't deliver Medicare for all. I mean, it's extraordinary. You know, it's, it's like we're not making a connection between public policy and outcomes. <laughs> and so half a million people die as a result. Uh, there's a, um, you know, we're still learning about the effect of our going into Iraq and the effect of our presence in Afghanistan. And while we tell people we're getting out, you know, there's advisors that are still there. Why the game playing? You know, this, the system isn't responding to people's practical aspirations. And granted, you know, COVID has created a, uh, an interruption in many people's lives. It's made it very difficult for people to be able to reconnect with the idea of community because we're all forced into our own homes and finally breaking out. But that sense of community is what holds cities together. It's what holds the country together. We're lo we've lost that. And so we've got to reconnect as a community. We have to see each other as human beings, not as Democrats, Republicans, right, left, whatever. There's things that unite us as Americans. We have to reconnect with. We're not, and we're, we're losing that. And as a result, uh, politics are, are not always going to be particularly relevant to what people are dealing with. Well, you know, my contention is that the biggest problem that we have here is, you know, I, I have this, this this claim that I make, and that is most people are good, but most people are corruptible, most people are indoctrinatable, and in that regards, uh, the powers that be have found a way to do that, which made exactly what you said a realization, that is that we cannot get anything done because each poll is pulling uh pulling up within themselves and not able to move forward don't you think our uh the or corporate control of media corporate control of everything is just about responsible for all the ills of our society at this point in time oh i think it reflects it reflects the ills of the society it's not necessarily responsible we've got we got to kind of get the get the relationship it's responsible to the extent that we've created a structure that got that has come that is so far away from uh, the dreams of those who created the uh, Federal Communications Commission uh, and the Federal Communications Act of 1934 said that the electronic media should serve in the public interest, convenience, and necessity, and that the public should have some input into that. That's all been lost. And as media have grown in, into monopolies, become more powerful, uh, the diversity of opinion is lost. This is where the internet can be extremely important in presenting opportunities like this one for people to be heard and to go around that, that system. 
But that system which exists is still very powerful and influences public opinion. This is why, you know, we were able to get swept up into a war against, the, against Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11. The media helped to beat the drum. You know, you go back to the New York Times. I went to the New York Times office as a presidential candidate. And uh, in 2003, I had a meeting in their Oak Room. I said, I said look, you're, you know, you don't, there's no proof that Iraq had anything to do with 9-11. I laid out my objections to the war. My leadership was to, I brought 125 Democrats together. And they just said, well, you know, what do you know? You know, we're getting all this inside information. Well, their inside information was 100% wrong. Cooked, yes. And, and so I, and the book, by the way, if you, you know, the division of light and power identifies that I, that same process affecting local media when it was covering an issue relating to the city's ownership of a municipal power system. The media beat the drums for a monopoly takeover. And I was standing up there saying, hey, wait a minute, there's no reason to take this over. It's not losing money. They, it's, being, it's being attacked by this utility monopoly and you shouldn't uh, uh, before this. And it turns out it was their advertising dollars that affected their editorial policy and their news policy. I, I document that in the book. So you, you take the Cleveland experience and you put it next to the experience of a congressman challenging the war in Iraq. And what the common thread is the ability to be able to, to see clearly what's going on, notwithstanding what the corporate media is saying. Well, you kind of jumped the gun, uh, uh, Congressman. So let's go ahead and do this. Um, uh, your book titled The Division of Light and Power. What's the premise of your book? The premise is the importance of one person standing up and making a difference, how a young person can get into the system and change the system, how uh, you don't have to be changed by the system. And, you know, it's, it's like the entry, the entry into it, uh, I, as I described, uh, you know, people telling me, hey, you can, there's a chance to make more money, you're in this new position. Uh, because that is you as mayor of Cleveland. No, before when I was a councilman, there's chance okay, to make gotcha. money as a councilman, you know, if you just play ball and uh, campaigns where suitcases full of money suddenly appear or a suitcase. And, and, and so, you know, each time you take a step and there's a moral question that is presented to you, but you're told in politics, you shouldn't even be concerned about that. There's no values, there's no morals, there's no ethics. It's just politics. And when politics becomes devoid of that, then money rules and you don't have any chance for the public to have a, uh, a word in edgewise or a chance to have their concerns reflected. So, you know, this book, The, the Division of Light and Power, do you, have a, do you have a copy right there? Uh, yes. Uh, when, when we put this in the system, you'll have the book will be uh, in, front, in, in front of everybody. But yeah, show the book. Let, let's go ahead. The Division of Light and Power. And um, we'll have a link to the book inside of the blog post that goes along with this, as well as in the... Uh, in the thread absolutely right uh, so you know but the but the whole the overriding uh, point of the book is democracy can work but only if people are willing to take a stand right and 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 keep, keep in mind this whole idea, idea of privatization hey once the covid money starts running out cities are going to look you know these corporate interests are going to look at this city and that city and say well sell your water system sell your uh elect electric system exactly. sell your you know uh, pedal, pedal your waste, uh, your waste collection services. Uh, you, you know, 
there's no end to this privatization. And the point that I want to make is Mayor Tom Johnson in Cleveland, who was the person who started Muni Light. He was the great mayor of the progressive era. He said that I believe in public ownership of all uh, uh, utilities, public service monopolies, yes. because if you do not own them, they will in time own you. Um, you, you know, it, it is it is amazing because you've been preaching that stuff from the time you've been in Congress. Amen. Uh, and it, it is interesting that they've tried every every possible way to just simply say that you're a socialist because you want there to be a bifurcated economy where the public sector does the public things that the private sector can't do as efficiently in fact in 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 what you just what you just claim things like trans uh, public transportation etc uh having the private sector do that profit becomes a, an expense to the public expand on that for me because a lot of people don't well, quite I get it I, I i don't know if it's a direct quote but i was uh you know i uh heard it uh, that lincoln once said uh, government should do for people collectively what they can't do for themselves individually. Exactly. So, so can we each of us have our own fire service? No. Can we each have our own police uh, service? No. Uh, you go on and on with that thinking. And you, you must have, if you're going to have a city, if you're going to have a community, you must have uh, services that are provided commonly. And they should be organized so that they're not just accessible and responsive, but affordable. And that's why people pay taxes. But what's happened is that uh, the desire to grab onto what the people own and to commercialize it, to cartelize it, corporatize it, privatize it, produces a greater cost to the people for basic services, electricity, water, uh, sewage, uh, uh, you know, cleaning and control. All those things are, are affected when you go from public ownership to private ownership. Now, the idea of, uh, of that uh, of being a, a socialist uh, um, uh, principle, no, it's not. It's, a, it's, it's basic democracy. And, and the other part of it is oligarchy and totalitarianism, control, total control of our system by, by massive corporate interests. So, you know, this, is, this book is a stand for democratic governance. It's a stand for people being aware of who's making the decisions in their community and, uh, and, and how one person, in this case, a very young person could get into the system, not be co-opted by it and find a way through to public service instead of self-service. So, you know, the, the book becomes a, uh, a, not just an allegory that's relevant to today well it is your story it is your story yeah it is my story and you know the, let, let me tell you something that i've always admired with you dennis and that is um you've been consistent i mean uh it, it, you you talk about the bribes that were coming in cleveland you talk about the the possibility that uh folks would have wanted to assassinate you because of what you're doing you've stayed true to the progressive mantra how difficult had you find that and why is it why so many people find it that difficult to do that i mean it seems to me that um it's a it's a much easier life it's a much re more rewarding life i think you feel that you've lived a much a very rewarding life don't you still at it exactly i mean i'm still at it and you know it's uh freedom to act that any one of us in public life must have. And we lose that freedom 
when uh, corporate interests latch on to our uh, or attach themselves to our soul, you know, can't do. And so, uh, is it easy to do that? No. Uh, do you raise? Uh, is it easy to raise money for campaigns when you have that approach? No. Uh, but do you have the freedom to represent people? You bet you do. And you have the freedom to always to do the right thing. And to me, hey, uh, you know, you know, what profit of a person if they gain the world and lose their soul? I'm not interested. No one's going to buy me for some stupid campaign contributions. Like, please give it up. You know, and, I, and, and one of the problems is that, you know, when members of Congress first come to Washington at the beginning of every week, the first stop isn't going to be the floor of the house to get into debate. The first stop is going to be the, the headquarters of each political party where they have minders that watch as, as the members of Congress dial for dollars. So that, and they, they are asking interest groups to fund their campaigns. And when they do that, those interest groups ever, you know, are going to be influential. It doesn't mean everybody's bought, but it means that in some cases that influence will be overwhelming. And so, you know, this, it's a bad system, but good people can still find their way through a bad system and challenge it and make it better. And that's, you know, that's what the book's about. Well, you became a Cleveland city councilman. You became a, a mayor of Cleveland. You also became a congressperson. So you represented people in three different manners. And now you're representing them as a whole with a book that with the expectation that you'll enlighten their minds to uh, see things differently and participate in the body politics in, in a much more engaged manner, we'll say? Well, that's right. And, you know, each one of us, whether we're an office holder or not, can be engaged. But uh, I guess the bottom line is, what do we stand for? Who are we as people? Are, are we willing to take a stand in something in our own lives or in our own community? Um, or do we just be quiet about things that are going on that we don't like? or not help someone who we think, well, that person gets a little help, they can go somewhere and represent us. You know, these are questions that all of us face every day. You know, all of us are involved in trying to live our own lives and, and you know, the book's about that too. Uh, and, you know, you get into public life and it has a tremendous pull on your time and your energy, uh, but, you know, it should not have a pull on your soul. And, and that really, this, this journey that I describe in the Division of Light and Power is the journey of my soul, not just by my political persona, uh, you know, because there are so many opportunities that come every day to sell out. I didn't take any of them, you know, because I wasn't interested in that. I wasn't interested in some material wealth or in a higher office if I only make this right deal. And when I was mayor, that's the test I had to meet. And I met it. And the book's about not just me, but it's about anybody who has to well, make that kind of a decision. You should vindicate it because the progressive movement has pretty much uh, coalesced onto many of the topics, many of the actual uh, policies that you have always represented for, for eons. Now, I want to get off subject a tad bit, and I want to bring in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for one reason, because you brought up uh, fundraising and, and bring, bringing money into your into your into your campaigns do you think that her model is one that can be replicated where uh you almost have dependence on your supporters and uh, not necessarily on the uh mass businesses etc absolutely i think that uh, the congresswoman has demonstrated that an independent approach 
uh, independent uh, camp campaigns that are independent of of uh, political machines, uh, fundraising that's independent of corporate interests, uh, an, an approach to thinking that uh, isn't hobbled by political uh, orthodoxy. Uh, she has shown that it's you know it's possible to to uh, function and to become a force uh, without having to sell out. So that's uh, that's not a small matter. That's a, that's really important. Yeah, I, I thought I thought I wanted to hear a comment on that. Okay, um, Dennis, I usually ask this as a last question, and it goes as follows: What would you have liked me to ask you, whether about the book or anything else that you'd like our audience? to know about you, know about your subject, know about the policies. I always, I always get that pause. <laughs> you know, the discussion is so engaging, you know, I'm in the moment here with you. I, I would say um, the decision that I described in a book, would I, uh, if I had to do it all over again, would I, would I make that same decision? Would you? 100%. You know, to me, uh, some things are right or right, some, some things are inherently wrong. And uh, one of the great misconceptions of our time, uh, particularly that political parties have, I would say particularly that the Democratic Party has, is that, you know, I, well, I believe in separation of church and state. I, I, I also believe that, uh, that we need, we, well, I, I don't believe in separating state from spiritual values that one must have a, a polar star of ethics that guides you know everyday decisions and i'm not speaking as someone self-righteous holier than now far from it i'm saying that you know you have to have a code that you can live by and and that and when you're in public life if you don't have that if you don't have any any ethical anchor Oh, you're in for a very, very difficult ride. Former congressman, former mayor, former councilman, statesman, and now author of The Division of Light and Power, which you can find in the blog post here. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Roberto Willis, thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Perfecto, hermano. Gracias. We spend a I hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, Dennis Kucinich. You know he was a hero of the of the uh, the he has always been a hero of the progressive movement because this is one guy that never ever changes his stance. Uh, welcome aboard John Powers, Eric Hayes, Michael Rudnan, Paul Fleming, uh, Tom C. Uh, ¿Quién más está aquí? Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. If I missed you, E2247, welcome aboard. Uh, petition Queen, welcome aboard. And you keep those petitions going, Petition Queen. And our one and only Deborah John de LA, welcome aboard, my beautiful Deborah John. May Wood, love you being here. Nanette Bird Smith, hola, ¿cómo estás? AVQ, of course. The Duck Fat Quacks, welcome aboard. Am I missing anybody in the chat? You know, I never want to miss anybody in the chat. I think if you've given me the on Paul Fleming, how are you doing? If you've given me the uh, honor to be here listening to what we're talking about, it is my responsibility to find you. Chalupa, 
and Kendizor on DOJ itself as corrupt and broken institution full of 45 arrogant multi. Hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about that DOJ full of 45s in a little bit because you hit the nail on the head, E2247. But before, let me do my quick ask real quick. Folks, if you are on YouTube, please click that join button. Become a member. Yes, uh, Just as we left yesterday, we got a member, uh, and I have him on the screen, or he keeps rotating on the screen. Uh, please consider clicking that join button. Become a PDR Posse member. I don't see our our Posse leader in the room today. Bridge MCP is not here today, but I always like to give her the kudos because she is responsible for the design of our PDR cups. And let me go ahead and put that on the screen. You can also decide to get one of our PDR cups, a PDR Posse cups designed by Bridge MCP, and that also helps offset our costs out here. I just put that link in there. If you don't see uh, PD, if you don't see the YouTube join button, uh, or if you are on uh, Facebook or Twitch or Periscope, go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, we need a 1,000 members on politicsandright on, on YouTube live, but we also need a 1,000 members at our Patreon, politicsandright.com slash Patreon, politicsandright.com slash Patreon, spell P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon, spell P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also support us via PayPal. We love your PayPal support, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. You can get all our books. You see those books that you see circulating on the screen? You can get our books by going to politicsdoneright.com slash books, politicsdoneright.com slash books. And of course, if you get the books from our store, however... We'll also send it to you with a bumper sticker, politicsandright.com slash store. You can get a bumper sticker free of charge. Uh, if you purchase the book elsewhere, you can just drop us your address and I'll, I will mail you via the good old post office your own copy of our Politics and Right bumper sticker. Uh, so again, folks, please support us in however way you can. We cannot do this Without your support, your support means everything. I, we need more patrons. Politicsdoneright.com slash patrons, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And more YouTube subscribers, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. All right, let's go ahead and get to the uh, what, what Tom C. was talking about. I want to play this. I want to remind you. You know, everybody knew what happened on that day when those people were gassed out of Lafayette Park. We know what happened. Trump wanted to get a wanted to go out there with a photo op and he would and they blasted the people out of that park. We know that happened. But the report comes out from the DOJ, a Biden DOJ. And the report said, oh, we don't have any evidence that Trump's folks ordered that. Moreover, nobody was really asked. Let's listen to Chris Hayes, and then we'll take it on the other side. I think it's important the way uh, Chris Hayes framed it. One of the defining moments of last summer, which was quite a summer, was when in the middle of protests against police brutality across the country, police violently cleared protesters, peaceful protesters, out of a park across from the White House using tear gas and batons and rubber bullets. It's just before Donald Trump walked from the White House to that park to stage a ridiculous photo op in front of a church, the Bible. 
At the time, it appeared to just about everyone the police cleared the protesters so Trump could take his pictures. But a new report by the Interior Department Inspector General found, quote, the evidence we obtained did not support a finding. The U.S. Park Police cleared the park to allow the president to survey the damage and walk to St. John's Church. Now, I'll be honest here. We always have to be careful, that includes myself, that we don't let our own political and cognitive biases blind us from the truth. Sometimes you learn new facts that confound your prior beliefs. All of that said, the IG report is obviously full of holes. It fails to clear at a logical level, okay? The president walked to the church once the park was clear of protesters. The Interior Department and the Park Police are not making the ultimate orders about that because the president is going there. So if the Park Police had not cleared the park to install their anti-scale fencing, like the report says, was Donald Trump going to just stroll out there amongst the protesters? Obviously not. What are we even saying here? The president walked to the place that had been cleared, so it makes some sense that someone with the president's security detail was obviously coordinating, controlling what was happening. In fact, according to the report, the U.S. Park Police Incident Commander said the Secret Service Uniform Division White House Branch Deputy Chief told him the president's visit would likely occur later that day or in the evening after protesters had been removed from the area. Right, so Trump would go after the protesters had been cleared from the park, after the police cleared them. The report also says, contrary to the operational plan, and before the U.S. Park Police gave the first dispersal warning, the Secret Service entered 8th Street from Madison Place. That led to an earlier confrontation than was planned. The Secret Service lieutenant later apologized for the early entry onto 8th Street during the operation, but did not explain why it occurred. Well, I think I know... Pick me. This whole thing was completely absurd. They didn't even interview any of the most relevant parties, like William Barr or the Secret Service. So we're just to, so supposed to accept that the park police had this plan, right, uh, to clear the square, to build a fence, and for reasons unbeknownst to anyone, the Secret Service just went ahead and initiated that way ahead of time, but definitely not so the president could walk to that park for his photo op. Now, think about that. This is the DOJ with a lot of career people that still have allegiance to Donald Trump. Anybody who believes a report that says Donald Trump making that call did not influence what occurred to gas those people, to pellet those people out of Lafayette Park, they are lying. We had so many reporters there telling the story, the peaceful story, and somehow we're to believe. We need to clean house in the DOJ, not only because of what we've seen with the report, but several other reasons. Uh, the DOJ has decided not to stop uh, the Trump, uh, not to, uh, to allow Trump to be tried or uh, to be pr protected by the government against that suit by the woman he raped. This is our DOJ now that is still allowing that. This DOJ is not really doing all the effort that needs to get done on the spying that was done on Democratic Congress people that were spied on during the Trump administration. They need to clean house because we have a cancer within. When you get reports that don't match reality, 
the cancer must be extricated. So um, I hope Garland is up to the task, but he has to purge, even if it means giving them, keeping them on the payroll and just getting them to hell out of there. We'll keep you on the payroll, stay home, go get another job if you want to. But right now as it is, you are a clear and present danger to American democracy. That is what we need to put out there. I have another video. Um, it turns out that Lloyd Austin, uh, Secretary, uh, the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was out in Congress for hearing. And Tom Cotton is going to force his hand and force this black man, the first ever black defense secretary, to just come out and say, oh, no. The military is not racist. We want that out of your, your mouth. I want you to check this out, and then let's go ahead and take it on the other side. Prior to 1948, the United States Armed Forces, like most of the country at the time, was racially segregated. Then on July 26th of that year, President Harry Truman signed an executive order to desegregate the military, which essentially made Vietnam the first major combat deployment in which troops were not formally segregated. Some black Vietnam veterans often talked about fighting what they called a war within a war. What did you do when you saw a Confederate flag flying over a forward base? The damn thing came down, and the commander answered to me. Why did you bring it down? Because we weren't fighting the Civil War, and there's no such thing as northern blood or southern blood. There can be no such thing as black blood and white blood when you're being fired at. Nearly 75 years after integration, the military has made progress, uh, but problems still persist, particularly when it comes to racial diversity in military leadership. Remember in 2019 when then-acting Secretary of Defense Mark Esper tweeted out a photo of the president and his top four-star generals and admirals? And, you know, look at the picture. It's striking in 2020 to see that. It looks nothing, of course, like the demographic makeup of the country. And when you look back at the history of who this country has had at, say, Secretary of Defense, well, you get a very similar picture. That is, until this year, when the Senate confirmed retired four-star Army General and former Iraq commander Lloyd Austin. And yet today, as if we do not know this collective history, Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas grilled Secretary Austin on whether he thought the U.S. military is racist. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that our military is a fundamentally racist organization? Yes or no, please. Well, I won't give you a yes or no answer on that, Senator, because uh, it, it deserves more than a yes or no. Uh, the military, like any organization, will have its challenges, but I do not believe it is a fundamentally racist organization. Thank you. We, I, I'm, we sorry will... to cut you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but our time is limited. I think it is a pretty simple question. I'm glad that you agree it is not fundamentally racist. Do you believe that any member of the military should be treated differently based on their skin color and sex? Again, yes or no will do. Again, this question deserves more than a yes or no answer. Uh, it is Mr. Secretary, I'm sorry to cut you off. Our time is limited. It is a very simple question. Should a member of the organization you lead be treated differently in violation of the Constitution, I would add, based on their sex or the color of their skin? No, I do not believe that, and that is, the, that is okay. why we have diversity, equity, and inclusion focused in the military. So here's what this jihad against so-called wokeness comes down to, right? Trying to badger the first black man to ever serve in the Secretary of Defense into a yes or no answer about the complicated racial history of the institution he runs so you can manufacture a Fox News soundbite. 
Great question, Senator. Why would anyone on earth have any reason to think the Pentagon is anything but an absolute model of racial equity that just happened to never have a black man at its helm for over two centuries? It is amazing, right? Uh, the, the guy didn't really just, he didn't want to come out and say, yes, it's a racist institution. The fact of the matter is, yes, the military, like most institutions in the United States, do have racial biases. They are racist by definition. We are mitigating that. We are, we are, imp- we are improving. We are making things better. But these guys want to come out and say that everything is okay. That's why we don't want to teach critical race theory or somehow think that is, that, that is, that is crazy to do that. Uh, but I, I, I tell you, the subject with it that I'm going to cover next with Ilan Omar, I'm going to touch a little bit on, on this. But I, I want you to listen to this. Uh, all the pictures show you, we've never had a black defense department, uh, a, a black head secretary of defense. We've never had a woman secretary of defense. So is the military sexist and racist? Of course it is. But it reflects society. We are getting better, but it reflects society, just like the police the department and everything else. But the only way you can get better and make a change is if you acknowledge your flaws and then you mitigate your flaws. I mean, all the evidence is in front of you. Chris Hayes puts it there. Look at who uh, Donald Trump had behind his desk as all the leaders of the military. Every single one of them was white. Every single one of them that stood behind Donald Trump was white. Um, but if you take a look at the military, you have a lot of degreed and undegreed, non-degreed persons in the military. It is more minority than, or more of people of color likely than the country is. But the leadership doesn't reflect that. So the question again, if I, if I had to answer that question, and I understand it would be a, a slap on, you know, if, if he said yes, that would have been the news for the rest of the, the, the rest of the administration. The lead, the person who, the black man who leads the military says the organization he leads is racist. But you know what? Maybe it would have been a good thing to have. Maybe it would have been a good conversation to have. Mr. Uh, Mr. Austin, we have to ask you one question and we want a yes or no answer. Well, sir, I cannot give you a yes or no answer. It's more complicated. We only want a yes or no answer. Is the military racist? Okay, if I had to break it down to a yes or no answer, based on everything that you can see right here, yes, the military is racist. I'm, I, I, Cotton, I wonder what Senator Cotton would have done then. Well, we know what Fox News would have done. But anyhow, so, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is ridiculous. It was a silly question. But I wanted to play that because... As it turns out, now everybody, want, all these folks on the right want to rewrite history. All these folks on the right want to deny the reality that many of us live. And it is disconcerting. I mean, nobody wants to play race cards and all of that. But don't, don't, play, uh, don't assume that those of us who suffer through this daily must lie to ourselves to appease you or to make you feel better than you should. Okay, don't do that. All right, the last subject today is about Elon Omar. And it upsets me because, you know, of course she's, she's watched like a hawk, right? They watch Elon Omar like a hawk. She cannot move without them uh, trying to take every single word that she says 
out of context because she makes a good boogeyman being a Muslim person who runs, who is out of, you know, who's out here. So, uh, she wrote a tweet, and let me see if I can find the tweet. The tweet said, para ver if I can find that tweet, I need to find Ilan Omar's tweet, because it was a simple tweet, and of course they take it. Omar first came on the fire from Philip. When a dozen moderate representatives issued, let's see. And, and you know, what's so funny is how silly Democrats are. They run to do the job that Republicans would uh, normally do, right? Um, I better go to the Daily Coast because the Daily Coast has a, a write-up on it by a good friend of mine at the Daily Coast. Um, and I think he, he's actually leading right now. Let's see. Uh, but I, I want to get to it because he said something... Where is Ilan? Let's see if Ilan, Ilan Omar. Uh, come on. It, in defense, okay, in defense of Ilan Omar. Okay, here's what her tweet said. We must have the same level of accountability and justice for all victims of crimes against humanity. Is that a true statement? Yes, it is. We have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. So I asked uh, Secretary of State Blinken where people are supposed to go for justice. In other words, we don't want to be a part of the international criminal uh, courts, right? We don't want to be uh, a part of that. But if you don't get satisfaction from any one of the democracies, where are you to go? So Ilan Orma asked the question, and then when she uh, but what got to the right wing and to some of the, the, the sissy Democrats was, uh, she said, we have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, and Afghanistan. What part of that statement is false? And, and this is not an attack on the United States. This is not an attack on Israel. This is not an attack on any specific person or country. This was just a statement of fact. All right? Uh, our atrocities did not end with uh, slavery, with the Trail of Tears, with the attack on uh, Chinese, with the, with the, incarcerate, with the uh, internment of, of Japanese. That's not where it stopped. It, we still do it today when we send drones out to kill terrorists that kills a lot of innocent people. We do a lot of those things. So my question again is, what in her statement is false? Look, most Americans are good people. They're not the ones committing these atrocities. But by the same token, when our military or others effect these atrocities, should other people have the right to their human rights, and their legal recompense. I mean, it's, it's not, it's simple. When you go ahead and make an issue out of that, it allows the rest of the world to say, America, that's hypocritical. Because in our country, we didn't slaughter the natives. In our country, 
We didn't enslave millions and boil some and whip some to the scarring of their to the to to un, 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 unimaginable scarring. We didn't break up families uh, to sell some one place and sell others the other places. We always have to have a mirror because none of us are clean. And that Elon Omar in these times make that case that the Palestinians suffered what they suffered because a terrorist organization like Hamas uh, sent rockets into Israel as they should not have. But then the people who pay the price are civilians as, as Israel knocked down hundreds of homes and buildings that left tens of thousands of people homeless without utilities, etc. Um, who protect those people? Who does? Egberto, if you ask people around the world what they think of the United States, you'll find some harsh answers. I know. I am from somewhere else. And I read papers from Panama. I read papers from Costa Rica, from Peru, Ecuador, Venezuela, France. I get it. The problem is because we are so insular, because we don't spend the time to learn what others think about us or spend the time to understand what others are doing in the name of the United States, when certain things hit the fan, we wonder how can they do that to nice people like we are? Yeah, you're nice. But a lot of things that are done to people outside of this country has little to do with you. It has everything to do with protecting the assets of the wealthy. And when you see me come down as hard as I do on the wealthy, it's because to maintain the wealth and to pilfer, to keep that wealth or to increase that wealth, it means harming so many other people, so many more. And that is what we have to get around. It's amazing. It is amazing. We should... We should, as Americans, understand these different concepts. Now, Ilan Omar was not wrong. But when Democrats again come out and attack her, it shows. Uh, uh, here, here's a statement. And here, today, Representative Brad Schneider led Representative Jake uh, uh, led Representative Jake Auchisnos, Ted Douche, Lois Frankel. Josh Conica, Elaine Lauria, Kathy Manning, Gerald Nadler, Dean Phillips, Kim Schreier, Brad Sherman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz in releasing the following statement. Equating the United States and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban as is an offensive as, as it is misguided. Ignoring the differences between democracies, government by the rule of law and, contempt, and contemptible organizations that engage in terrorism at best discredits one's intended argument and at worst reflects deep-seated prejudice. The United States and Israel are imperfect and like all democracies at times deserving of critique, but false equivalences give cover to terrorist groups. We urge Congresswoman to clarify her words placing the U.S. and Israel in the same category as Hamas and the Taliban. If what you've done... Hamas, Israel killed how many hundreds of people in the last, I don't know how many uh, many days at that small war that we had. And, and Hamas killed how many again? 
what determines what occurs. If you're dead, you're dead. If you feel pain, you feel pain. If the person who is giving me pain is a democracy and the person who is giving me food is not a democracy, uh, where do you think that person is likely to gravitate? And that is what America doesn't understand, right? There are a group of people in America that always are, that they always feel their democracy. Their democracy is always good to them. They're always okay with their democracy because they can live the democracy. But there are others in America who don't know what living in democracy really means. Ask those people with the boots on their neck. Ask those people that were the families of those people who lived through the blowing away of their people because of the, their hue. To them, so what that democracy for others in this same country doesn't apply to them? Why should they gravitate or feel a... You know, there are certain people that have been fighting for this democracy for a long time who have yet to live democracy. And this is not something controversial. This is just how it is. And again, when we go out there in the world and we protect those who inflict harm on others, and then a China comes, and I'm not saying China is a good people, because China goes out to Africa and it, cre it treats a whole lot of those folks like crap. But, when you have a socialist government or a communist government feeding people and giving them the impression, the semblance of, 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 of goodness, and you have another, a democracy coming with a big stick, where do you think people are going to gravitate to? And we got to learn that. But the problem is that we, our democracy is tied to an economic system known as capitalism that goes out there and pilfers. So while democracy is a good thing, there's an anti-democratic part of our democracy called our economic system that knows not anything about humanity. And I am running out of time, so I can't continue with this discussion. But I want you to think about what I've said from a open mind point of view, not an attacking point of view that says, Oh my God, so you are, you don't love America. No, I love America. That's why I'm here. I chose America. I came from another place. I chose America. I chose America because of what America says it represents. And we intend to hold America to what it claims it is. We all should hold America to what it claims it is. G. Eek says, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. I forget who first said that. I think it was British PM. The thing about it is we are not using other people's money. Uh, socialism, democratic socialism has nothing to do with using other people's money. I think you have the wrong system, Brother G. Eek. But if you come and you come to our program every day, I am sure you will see exactly what we talk about when we talk about an economic, economic systems that work for us all. Carl Cox says, the conservatives who say love it or leave it, why don't they leave America and live in Russia or another similar type of government? Gee, I'm a communist sympathizer. Uh, really? All right, socialism is what they called the growth of free and independent labor organizations. 
All right, folks, I got to get out of here. But one more ask, please, if you are with us, if you want to help us enlighten other folks, tell the truth, and make sure that everybody has equal access to success. That's what we believe in. Equal, Not equal outcomes, not using somebody else's money like the rich people do. The rich people has pill for us all. The rich people's money is not theirs. It's ours. We made it for them. That's what you don't understand, Brother G. Eek. The rich people's money is your labor, G. Eek. When, you're, when you learn that, you would have enlightened yourself. When you learn that they are profiting from your interest, you would have enlightened yourself, my brother. But anyhow, please support us. Please go ahead and, if you're on YouTube, please click that join button. We do need your support. If you're not on YouTube, please go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. If you can also support us on Patreon, we need a thousand of each of those. Please go to politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. How did communism work out in the U.S.? I don't know. I don't, terribly. But that's not what we are looking for, GE. That's what the right wing wants you to believe that we want. That's a lie they tell you to put a fear, to put a scare in you. But you are my brother, G. Eek. Keep coming to the show. Share the show. And I want you to come in. If you want to be, uh, if you want us, we can even bring you on the phone where we can talk, where we can ask questions, or you can ask the, the, the chat room question. We have a very, very smart group out here. Very, very smart. But stick around. We love you, man. Stick around. You can also support us via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash paypal politicsandright.com slash paypal anyway folks got to get out of here my name is egberto willies this is politics done right and you know how i end this baby i am out we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.